Marketing. From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey, NextGen, it's Alana Phillips here again with Ekana Anyagafu. He's the Director of Planning at Bay Street Capital. Thanks for continuing this conversation with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Alana. Absolutely. I know in our first conversation, we talked quite a bit about your experience in financial services and had started to get into this issue in our industry of diversity and inclusion and how that affects, I think, how we do business. So I want to jump right into you have talked to me as well as some of the other partners at Bay Street Capital that you work with about your relationship with institutional money managers and some issues with diversity there. Can you talk about why that's important for you? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, from my perspective and the perspective of Bay Street Capital, the institutional investment and especially the money manager there, it is kind of the modern day elephant in the room. It's something that's in every room. In fact, if you're in the car, you drive around the city. If you see a police officer, you see someone who's doing sanitation, uh, you drop your kids off at school and you see someone who is a public worker or whatnot, that somewhere there's a pension where someone is is managing that money. Uh, if you yourself are in a 401k participant and you have the options of, hey, I'm going to put my money in the S&P or whatever different kind of investments there are, at some point, you also have come across an institutional manager. But what we've noticed is no one really knows what that means. And so we've kind of set off on a, say, almost a campaign of really just getting the awareness out of what people are experiencing and kind of what's going on behind the scenes. I think this is so important and part of my mission in the industry and with this podcast so much is to shed light on parts of our industry that have historically been in the shadows. So talk to us a little bit more about this campaign. What does the education look like around how all these institutional money managers are affecting our life? Easiest way to put it is currently the amount of money that is managed from counties, cities, businesses, including 401ks, 403bs, those type of things. The amount, it, it, there's a very number, but at a minimum, some people say about 36 trillion is what's currently managed, uh, which is two or three times the size of our yearly GDP, just to kind of give a scope. Now, out of all of that money managed in the United States, currently 98.6% of it is managed by white male-owned companies. And, you know, if you were to say, well, how is that possible? There's lots of different races that only 1.4% is allocated to other races is because no one's talking about it. It's not something that the average person experiences. You may be a participant literally in a 401k, but it's not something that you're aware of. And so we really set out um, first talking to DEI professionals, then talking to foundations. And now we're starting somewhat of a lobbying campaign to talk to local senators and politicians to say, hey, part of this decision rests on your shoulders as well. Yeah, that sounds like a big undertaking. And when you say those numbers, and I just want to, so it's 98.6% is the number Correct. that are white male owned companies, these managers. Not a single diversity partner or anything uh, in that space. That seems crazy. I mean, when we look at the population of the U.S., that's just nowhere close to the breakdown of race within the U.S. So 
I have to ask this question sarcastically, like obviously then Ekana, the BIPOC community and women, like they just don't want to be at this level, right? That's obviously why they're not there. I mean, that's what you would assume if with that type of breakdown, right? Yeah. So what's the deal? What's really going on here? Yeah, I think a couple of things. One, this is, in my opinion, quote unquote, the biggest good old boys club that we can find. And the reason why I say that is the barrier of entry. And so what ended up happening is when, for example, we went to talk to City of San Jose and we said, hey, you guys are paying something like $35 million a year, you know, every, every six months, something of that nature. We were saying, hey, we'd like a small percentage of this, right? And then we had the vice mayor support we were able to give our presentation. And what came back is the CEO person who's in charge of the pension said, well, you're too small. We said, okay, but let's look and really dive into what you're requesting. And they're requesting, you know, 500 different employees. They're asking for, you know, a couple of billion dollars assets under management. They're asking for, you know, 20 years track record. Now, given 10 years ago, or maybe 15 years ago, the amount of African-American firms were, I believe, half of where we were today. And just recently, Aerial Investments teamed up with Schwab, and they gave a great kind of speech. I got to listen to John Rogers. And he said a perfect example of this is the city of Chicago. City of Chicago for the top advisors actually has doubled, almost tripled from the amount of advisors that the city of Chicago has, right? But the top advisors, that number has actually gone down a little bit. So there was five, maybe 10, 15 years ago that are considered top advisors by you know their own ranking. There's four now and the amount of people have doubled. And so essentially seeing more people enter but oftentimes the barriers to even play into this are going to eliminate almost every single black firm except for one or two in the country. And so when you have those barriers where it's almost impossible to get into the door with what we see now where these long tenured or you know white companies, quote unquote, are now the ones that get every deal. And so they've essentially trapped it. And because no one's talking about it or no one really cares, right? But there's billions of dollars that go into compensating different advisors. And we're saying, hey, you know, we're not asking even for the 13% of the population. We're asking for three to 1%. Let's show you that we're capable of doing this. We have the track record. We have a lot of what you're asking for, but the pure size, once again, you're asking for over a billion dollars in AUM. You're ruling out all but two. Uh, currently uh, African-American firms. Thanks for that thought. We'll be back in just a minute. Deliver financial planning for every person and every need through our chartered financial consultant education program. Find the tools and skills you need at theamericancollege.edu slash chfc. Get best-in-class preparation for your exam with our CFP certification education program. Start your journey toward this value designation at theamericancollege.edu slash CFP. So what are the impacts of this, that there is such a weighting towards white men controlling this money versus what it could look like with more diverse folks involved? Yeah, and I think the easiest way to explain it is when you are essentially just a shoe-in. You're the person who is the long-term relationship. Your organization has it 
has had this for 15, 20 years, you know, you actually end up in a position where you really can't be wrong, where uh, from a performance standpoint, from a pension fund, they'll be underperforming many, many, many other diverse and woman-led managers that could do the exact same thing. But because it's just, they've been there, that's what it gets left at. So one, I think you would get better performance by using more diverse managers, because also uh, the reality is, you know, oftentimes if you're coming into the door, you're not necessarily at the same level as the other kind of the players in the game, then oftentimes, you know, you're going to be under more scrutiny to say, hey, you know, are you doing what you're supposed to do? So for the last few years, we are seeing that more and more diverse teams lead to better performance. And then I personally, uh, not to be political, don't necessarily believe in the trickle-down theory. My own thoughts, right? My own opinion. But this is actually one situation where instead of giving billions of dollars to the same people who've already had millions of dollars, that if you spread that out, even in a 3% stance, giving money to someone in that community is going to also be giving that money community. Also, what we've noticed is historically, women and people of color from a, you know, hey, I have wealth, I'm giving back wealth. It's much higher than our just purely white male. And so that's where, uh, once again, I don't overall think about the trickle down theory, but if you were to divert some of those funds, we would, in my opinion, see that the overall communities and performance will increase. Yeah. Rising tide lifts all boat. It does work in certain situations, but I'm with you. I'm with you. So yeah, it's interesting. I appreciate this as a little bit of a business case for why this needs to change the campaign that you guys are working on. I know Sonia Dresler on LinkedIn had recently shared somebody, and I forget, I'm sorry to the author of this, had shared why we need to make a business case as to why we should keep everything the same, right? We, we shouldn't be making a business case for diversity. Somebody should have to write up a business plan as to why they're keeping only white men in these positions because it doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't add up mathematically. It doesn't benefit anybody economically when you share some of those things about, you know, the, the woman who's the manager with the highest performance where it's like, why wouldn't you want that? At the end of the day, regardless of your social political views, doesn't every company want to make more money? Right, exactly. And, and this is where I think that when people hear this, they often say, well, okay, that makes sense. It's rare that we tell someone about this and they're like, oh, like it should stay that way. Nah. That, that's yeah. not the natural reaction because people understand that, you know, there are other ethnicities and genders that can do this, not even just at the level, but even better than what we see currently. Yeah, it clearly affects all of us in some way if we are participating in any of those, like you said, 401k, 403b, anybody that's managing this money. So so at Bay Street, Ekina, you guys have this campaign. You mentioned a few of the things that you guys are doing. What can we do as an audience listening to this to help? I think an easy way to look at this is if you're a 401k participant, simply asking HR is there diversity within our plan? I'll give you a quick hint. The answer almost always is going to be no. And they're going to ask, what are you talking about? And if you say, well, is there any investment advisors that are woman-owned or minority-owned? Now you actually are giving them something to think about. And once again, the answer will be no, more than likely. But now it's one more advocate, right? I would say the plans that we have won, a lot of times we're coming because a participant in the plan brings it up. And eventually a decision maker or someone who has influence over the decision maker will speak up. And that's how we've seen a door in. Because once again, if it was purely off of what they call the RFP, almost always uh, minority and women-led firms 
will be eliminated strictly in that process. And so by being able to have that conversation with those decision makers is how I believe we start to see a big change. And so that's why we're doing the campaign and uh, really trying to bring awareness to this. That sounds like not too difficult to start for sure. That's a, a small piece that any of us that have those accounts and can talk to HR about can sort of uh, infiltrate the system with these questions and see what sort of answers that we get. So where can our listeners that going to find more information about you, Bay Street, and this campaign? Yeah, BayStreetCapital.com, I think, has most of what we're doing. Uh, we're trying to make that as active of a website as we can. Obviously, trying to stick with tank compliance as well. But we have articles. We have different things that we've posted, uh, different seminars that we've done talking specifically about this. So if you want the information, I would start there, and then we'll kind of get it going. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, especially the tips of what we can do to help and shedding light on this issue. I'm hoping that our listeners have some good things to think about and will continue to help with making this issue more obvious. So thanks for sharing with us, Ekina. I love that. And thanks for having me. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.